um, who has uh, passed on, but other people are carrying on his work. And in this final uh, segment, we want to get a quick update on a, a really terrible situation uh, with more than 200 uh, women and in, 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 in transgender persons who were transferred out of Rikers uh, a few months ago and actually have landed in arguably worse circumstances. And uh, Julia Thomas uh, had an excellent piece in the uh, current issue of The Independent about this. Uh, Julia, welcome to WBAI Radio. Thanks for having me, John and Amba. I'm glad to be here with you today. Yeah, so, but, absolutely. Yeah, just, you want to go ahead, John? Sure. Yeah, uh, just for starters, Julia, can you can you uh, summarize uh, what's happened with the with these uh, 200 plus uh, people that were transferred and and why it's a, a really desperate situation? Yeah, absolutely. So um, since um, you know since October. Um, uh, t- hundreds of people have are have been slated to be moved from Rikers Island Jail, which is a New York City jail, um, to a facility called Bedford Hills, which is a maximum security prison um, uh, about 40 miles outside of New York City. And the reason for this is because um, people have long been decrying the situation at Rikers throughout the pandemic. Um, you know, there have been uh, 16, um, 16 people have died inside Rikers and there've been, you know, numerous, um, people pointing at and like widespread calls for, you know, everything that's been going on inside the jail. And, um, as a result, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul called for 230 women and transgender people to be moved out of the, out of the facility. Um, but uh, basically, this has led to a lot of complications around what it means for people who were previously in pre-trial detention and what it means for them now to be uh, be held in, uh, you know, as people who have been sentenced uh, in a state prison. Uh, and as, as we've also seen a huge uh, COVID outbreak in Bedford Hills um, as of December 8th, uh, 19 people had tested positive for COVID-19. You know, and uh, at that point, even numerous tests had had not even come back. So we know that since then, with the surge of Omicron, that many more people have tested positive. So on many levels, this is, you know, a violation of people's rights um, in the criminal justice system. It's a humanitarian crisis and a public health crisis, which we've long seen in jails and prisons uh, throughout the United States during the pandemic. Right. And, and we know, we know that 19 is the, not the number of people that have Omicron in Bedford House. I mean, I was on the phone with some guys that are inside upstate yesterday and they're, they're saying it's festering. It's, it's everywhere. So, you know, but you know, you, you know, Julia said how these people are held pre-trial. So most people know this, but you know, you're in Rikers, 90% of the people in Rikers are being held before they go to trial, so assumed innocent, right? And then they're sending them to a maximum security prison, prison, people who are sentenced for life, you know, however long, where people people are treated completely different. So tell us a little bit about what the situation is at Bedford, what it was before, you know, these transfers were made, and the discrepancy between being at Rikers, which is terrible, to being at Bedford House, which is terrible, but means being transferred and far away from your family. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, with with the conditions at Rikers, I mean, for 
years and years, organizers, impacted people, people inside have been, you know, demanding that Rikers be shut down and closed. Um, and of course, being at Rikers is absolutely horrible. But um, what hasn't been as covered by the media is um, how bad conditions at facilities like Bedford Hills have been for a long time, even prior to the pandemic. Um, I've been in touch with people um, inside Bedford Hills, as well as, you know, family members of those who are being held there. And I mean, you know, throughout the pandemic, conditions have been horrible, but particularly this summer, things really escalated with um, some severe contamination of water going on. Uh, People were reporting water tasting like sewage, like cars and, you know, just seeing lots of particulate matter inside the water. People also reported months of ice, you know, having to take ice cold showers. And, you know, on top of that, for years and years, people inside have, you know, have experienced, you know, constant exposure to, to mold, to rats and roaches. And as well as, you know, there've been numerous cases of, you know, mistreatment and abuse by officers that, um, you know, incarcerated people at Bedford Hills have, you know, have pointed to. And, you know, and and this is not to mention that the first person to die of COVID um, inside a New York state prison um, was Darlene or Lulu Benson CA, who was a 61 year old black woman um, who had been at Bedford Hills for seven years. So, you know, this really points to the fact that Bedford Hills is a hotbed for this, for COVID-19, and it's a hotbed for injustices that we're seeing um, inside the criminal justice system. And, you know, in terms of also the implications of this transfer, um, one of the things that, you know, the, the attorneys that I spoke to have told me is that, they, you know, people, impacted people, attorneys, uh, the New York City appointed counsel on trans and gender nonconforming people um, inside New York City jails were not consulted prior to this decision to transfer people upstate. Um, There was really little thought put into what the implications of it would be. But one of those major implications is the fact that people suddenly who, um, you know, are perhaps close to their trial date, who are closely consulting with um, their legal support suddenly um, have much less access to that legal support. And that's a constitutional right that people have. And, um, you know, there's just a huge problem around also what this means for, um, you know, people also having access to their community, to their loved ones. Rikers is already isolated enough. It's hard to get to, but that, yeah, the miles and miles between New York City and Bedford Hills, as well as limited visiting hours, really impacts people's ability to, to, um, to their, to access to, to liberation. And And they say they're bringing shuttles, but they're not. So thank you so much, Julia, avid journalist. You can read her article in the latest issue of the Indie online or at a newsbox near you. We appreciate having you on. Thank you for having me. Always. So we, we just have another minute or so here before we have to, to leave. And once again, I want to encourage our listeners who can do so to give to WBAI during its emergency fund drive. Uh, for the Tower Fund, uh, 
888-298-2950, or you can go to give2wbai.org, make a one-time contribution online, or sign up to become a WBAI buddy for as little as $10 a month and be able to support this station a little bit at a time each month, you know, month after month. That I can tell you, you know, when you're running a, a nonprofit organization, having that monthly support from month to month uh, helps a lot. So if you want to become a WBAI buddy, that's also awesome. And uh, I think we have to uh, wrap up now. And uh, um, Amba, it's been uh, great being here uh, on the air with you again today. Absolutely. And we're going to leave our guests with Tenebrae by Osvaldo Golijov. Enjoy. <laughs> 